0: now okay welcome to south coast tonight i'm marcus chris mccarthy will be back tomorrow but i'm joined in the first hour by representative from somerset pat haddad hey pat how are you
1: good evening nice to be here
0: yeah uh, absolutely thanks for coming so um your district uh tell us about your district what 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 number is it and uh (laughs) how what municipalities are in it
1: sure so um it's the fifth bristol district and it is um the whole town of Somerset, the whole town of Dighton, three-fifths of uh, the town of Swansea, and uh, two precincts in okay. the city of, of Taunton. So it's a really interesting district because yeah. it covers everything um, from rural to suburban right. and a very old city. So it's very interesting.
0: I was just in Taunton yesterday, actually. uh Moore Healy came down to um, yes. to do a business walk with Carol Doherty mm-hmm. and Mark Pacheco, it was, yep. it was nice. So we're speaking with um, Pat Haddad of Somerset, representative of the 5th Bristol District. So um, you're running a, you, you know, you've been there since 2000? 2000,
1: 2001, or? I was sworn in.
0: 2001, you were sworn in. You've been there since 2001. You're running for re-election. Mm-hmm. What's the differences between you and your opponent?
1: Wow. Um, th- first of all um i have a record to run on um and and he's a newcomer and uh so i think the difference is that um he's aspirational and i am concrete and i can show the things that i've done um and i'm very proud of of the things that i've done so I guess that's the aspiration and actual uh performance
0: so uh your district made some national headlines when president biden came down uh and went to brayton point there's been a lot of con- controversy surrounding or discussion we'll say a uh, uh, vigorous discussion around brayton point mm-hmm. but um what was your you know what was it like to have the president come and, and visit your district
1: well, it was amazing. Um, when I, wa- you know, you're introduced, and I know that every um, high-ranking politician is briefed, but yeah. when you walk up to the President of the United States and he says, thank you for your work on wind, and I was, well, you know, Mr. President, thank you very much. I said, but you're, you know, you're carrying it. He said, no, you got the ball rolling. Wow. I-, I was beyond um, humbled yeah. by that. You know, because um, it's really hard for me to talk about myself, but the bill—that's what we're here for. (laughs) I know the bill that um, that I wrote with a number of people. I'm not going to pretend that I did it by myself. I had a lot of people help me, but the bill that was put together in um, 2015 and and signed in 2016 brought. Utility scale wind to the United States, not just to Massachusetts, but okay. to the United States. My bill was used by um, Connecticut and Rhode Island. Wow! To uh, do the procurements that they have done, and it's been a model for other um, for other people. I, I know um, a friend of mine from New Hampshire used it to make. You know, he did his own, but it was a. It's been a basis for a lot of people.
0: Wow. So the bill that you wrote here in the uh, in the house up on Beacon Hill. On- Actually,
1: in the library at Somerset, oh, our little public library, wow. I invited people from literally around the world to come and share their knowledge with me. And people came.
0: So from the Somerset Library. Uh, groundbreaking, industrial, Imagine. yeah, game-changing legislation was was crafted. That that is pretty amazing. It it's, is amazing, and it's been used as a template for other states uh, to to um to pass similar legislation. That uh, so, th- tell us. I mean, there's a lot of people that are familiar with Brayton Point. Uh, um, yes. but just for people who aren't, tell us like what the general story is behind Brayton Point.
1: So uh, the Brayton Point used to house one of the largest, I guess the largest, coal-fired power plant in New England, mm-hmm. which unfortunately, um, you know, it began its life as a, uh, a wonderful thing, sure. providing 1600 megawatts of power to the grid, the New England grid. However, things changed and people discovered that coal was um, very damaging. Yeah. So over the you know the course of time, um, coal became more expensive. Gas was the way that people were going, and so um, you know it's kind of a long story. But they uh, ultimately the plant closed. Yeah. And uh, in the closing, it was taken over by uh, a company who made promises to us that were not kept. Mm-hmm. Uh, they promised us that they would clean it up that they were going to develop it, that it was going to be all green energy. And, and um, you know, we listened and were very uh, disappointed yeah. because they brought in scrap metal and they yeah. want to bring, which, we've, which uh, they're being stopped from doing, but they want to bring in commodities. and um, And I have to give a big shout out to the neighbors because they banded together and they really worked hard to bring to light what was happening down there. So, um, you know, the the disappointing thing for me is um, we have tried, they they were the ones who brought it to my attention, that the dock down there, there's a dock and um, it's on 12 acres of land that actually belong to the state of Massachusetts, however, the governor doesn't want to own any real estate, so every time this is brought up to him, he, you know, sort of fluffs me off, and and I had a really hard time getting the the information. I was literally lied to by uh, the departments because he did not want to have that piece of uh, property. And thankfully, as I said, I, I give a lot of kudos to the to, to the neighbors. They did a FOIA request, and it showed this belongs to the state of Massachusetts. So now it's a fight between myself and the governor. So the
0: land had already been owned by the state of Massachusetts. Yes. But what you're saying is Governor Baker didn't really want to let that out?
1: No. Um, when they did the lease for the new company, I'm sorry, I left out a piece. Yeah, When they did the lease for the new company, they transferred... The dock, they should never have done that. Okay. There should have been a process that um, put the dock out for bid and, uh, you know, so that we could get the benefit. The state could get the benefit. From the very beginning, I. it was my hope that the Clean Energy Center would take over that dock. Sure. But as I said, the governor and I do not agree on that. And um, so it's it's been a thorn in everybody's side.
0: So, going forward, uh, what is the vision for for Brayton Point?
1: So, going forward, we do have a company that will be coming. um, It's Prismium, Prismium uh, Cable Company. They will be doing subsea cables, state-of-the-art subsea cables that will bring the power from the turbines, from, you know, uh, the wind farm, into wherever it's it's, uh, supposed to be. They um, chose... Brayton Point as the place that they wanted to come, because of its proximity, and because of um, the opportunities and uh, and the fact that they really wanted to be in Massachusetts. So they they do have a presence in Massachusetts already. They do cabling. Uh, they do cabling out of another part of my district in Dayton. Oh, cool. But it's you know it's different cable. So so anyway, um, that is in the permitting stage right now. And they're going forward um, with their bids to build what is going to be something in the vicinity of $240 million, which will mean tax money, thank you, for the town right. of Somerset. And the first phase is 150 jobs beginning at $70,000, which is fabulous for our area. That
0: is excellent. Yep. So. Yep. 150 beginning at $70,000. That's the 000. first
1: phase, yep. That's and it. then the, it'll grow from there.
0: That'll even better expand the uh, the tax base too on yes. top of the revenue that yes. you're going to get. <laughs> so we're speaking with uh, Representative Pat Haddad from Somerset. Uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. So, um, so um, it's my understanding too that like, is it going to be sort of like an outlet for offshore wind like are people like plugging in there for lack of a better term
1: yes so mayflower um it's you know mayflower is the name of the uh development they all they name their wind farms all different things so the Mm -hmm. mayflower wind farm um is scheduled to to plug in there okay it's you know there were 160 megawatts I mean, 1,600 megawatts of power that were pumped into the grid there. Okay. That's empty now. So there's room for 1,600 megawatts of power. So, um, you know, we're hoping that this is just the first of many.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Plugging in is not a big tax generator. Okay. Uh, Until we, you know, we figure that out. There may be ways to generate more taxes from it um and that's sort of in the um discovery stage sure but um somerset lost 16 million dollars that's what the plant was paying wow yes it hurt it hurt a lot when you've got a small town of um you know, uh, just about 19,000 people, yeah, seven I'm, square miles.
0: That's really something I'm thinking about, uh, Fairhaven, where I live, and we've got 16,000 people, and the budget's about $50 million, so losing $16 million is actually oh, is pretty devastating. so much.
1: So, I was very fortunate to be able to work with um, a dear friend of mine who, uh, at the time, was the chairman of um, Energy Utilities. um and he, then telecommunications, and he actually uh, lived in Salem. Okay. They had a plant, just like ours, it was a, uh, that was going to be closed and they needed help. So together we were able to write into uh, a statute the ability for these towns who were losing um, a large power generator Mm To get funds from uh, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, and so for four years, Somerset was the beneficiary of um, three million dollars each wow. year. Plus, we also did a formula, so that um, as time went on, you do they still get some money out of the formula, and we had a smaller plant, so the formula helped the uh, kind of the glide path right. <laughs> for the smaller plant as well. So, um, you know, one of the the um, important things that I do or we do, cause I don't want to say I, we do in the state house is we develop relationships. Yeah. And we get to know people and people get to know us and we find ways to help each other. Sure. And so this was this was one, um, you know, I don't pretend to be the smartest person in the room, but I go find the smartest person in the room, and um, you know, I was lucky that my my dear friend, who's now, by the way, the the uh, the president of uh, Salem State College. Oh, okay. He's uh, John Keenan, so he's uh, he was very helpful to me in that process of trying to figure out how do you how do you make that work? Yeah. It's not easy.
0: Salem actually uh, is a major manufacturer of the actual turbines. Yes. Is my understanding. Yes, right. well, they
1: they are ahead of us. Uh, when I say us, master, um, Somerset. Sure. It's very difficult for a town because we don't have an economic development. Our economic development group is volunteer. Yes, In a city, you're able to hire.
0: You get a council. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: And so um, they are ahead of us as far as being able to access um, developers. So we're working hard on that. And as I said, we've been very fortunate that um, the first one to come will be Prismium.
0: We're speaking with Representative Pat Haddad of Somerset. We're actually going to take a break now. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Uh, Stay tuned. Point by uh, Pat Haddad, representative from the 5th Bristol District. That's him. I'm getting to learn during this election cycle all the different <laughs> numbers of the Bristol Districts. I mean, I've lived in the 10th Bristol District for for a while, but I've never really known. I was, I was just always known, oh, Bill Strauss. You know, I haven't I haven't known who, what number district you're is. But you're the 5th Bristol District that contains Somerset, Dighton,
1: 3-5ths uh, of Swansea, of Swansea and, and, and two precincts in the oldest part of Taunton, where two, the silver was manufactured. Wow. That's, Silver City, yeah,
0: yeah, it's yeah. very cool. So um, we're speaking with Pat Haddad of the Fifth Bristol District from Somerset, and uh, we're taking your calls if you want to call in at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. But uh, we were ta- <laughs> we were talking about um, we were talking about uh, uh, off the air a legislation that you had helped um, craft for yes. uh, early childhood education. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure, sure. So um, it was my second term, and. Um, of a, a, a very you know talk about charismatic people a very charismatic person came to see me and started talking to me about early education and i had um worked when i was in somerset on a grant to bring um early education to the somerset public schools so i was familiar but i was sold when i started talking to this woman about the importance of birth to five sure little sponges everything you, you know a lot of the things you're going to learn you're going to learn in that time period and um unfortunately everybody looked at it like babysitting mm-hmm. and it's not babysitting it is an opportunity to give kids an amazing start so a good friend in the legislature and i started working on this bill and um she, at the time, she was the chair of education and we kept working on it, finally passed it in the, my third term when I was the chair of education. And it was the first in the nation Department of Early Education and Care, um, which today is um, is still a, a very uh, productive department in our state. And we learned during covid that early education is an essential service. yeah. And so it became um, very clear that we needed to spend more atten- more time, attention, and unfortunately money, because yeah. money brings us the things we need. So we needed to, to give more attention to early education. I think that's happening. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting because things that I had been preaching for years, all of a sudden, have taken on new um, new importance, and people are starting to realize that uh, when a child has a good start, and that means somebody reading to them, and and um, uh, paying attention to them, and uh, having them play and learn through play, that they do m- much better in school, and mo- are more than likely to go on to college. Right. Uh, so you know that's a that's a it was a great piece of legislation at the time. It was uh, it was a it was a funny learning experience to me because for me because um, I learned that when you uh, do something good, the speaker takes credit for it.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> which was fine. Right. I yeah, mean, it was yeah. great. It was Tom Finneran. He did. He was very helpful. I, I sure. shouldn't. I'm, I'm joking about it. But when it came time to bring the bill to the floor. Yeah. He brought it to the floor. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but that's You know what? It's in the legislature. It isn't about who did it. It's about that it gets done.
0: Tell it to the speaker. Yes.
1: Tell it to the speaker. <laughs> well, now the speaker takes credit for offshore wind, but that's okay, yeah, too. <laughs> of course. Yeah.
0: So we're speaking with Pat Haddad of the uh, 5th Bristol District, 508-996-0500. So, um, so that department is still around uh, today. How long ago was that bill passed?
1: Yeah. Oh, that was 2005. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And it was uh, Mitt Romney um, was the the uh, governor at the time, and sure. he vetoed the first version of it. Of and we he overrode it. <laughs> <laughs> but then took credit for it when he ran for um, for president. So that was kind of amusing. Um, That's right. He did. <laughs> success has many parents, failure isn't awful. Right. Yeah. No, of course. <laughs>
0: yeah. So. Um, Has there ever, during your uh, 20 years in the legislature, has there ever been a time where the Democrats haven't had a veto-proof majority?
1: No, no. Um, We, and and even though that is true, um, the speakers that I have worked with have always attempted to, uh, when they bring bills to the floor, to make sure that those bills have um, have the input of sure. the minority party. So you see very often in, uh, you know, people will say, oh, it was unanimous. Well, it was unanimous because t- the time was spent. Yeah, um, Offshore wind was unanimous. Uh, early education was unanimous because there was a lot of input yeah. from a lot of different people. I work really closely with um, the minority leader Brad Jones right uh he has been an incredible supporter of offshore wind and tries to get the governor to listen to me about of <laughs> <laughs> about, about the the um, the at brighton point but uh you know that's important it's if you don't have input from everybody, if you're not listening to all opinions, you're missing something. You're definitely missing something.
0: Has there been a particular governor you've preferred to work with uh, during your time uh, in the legislature?
1: Um, I liked Paul Salucci. Okay. <laughs> when I was... Um, he wasn't
0: there for very long. He wasn't
1: there for very long, but yeah. what a nice guy. I was... Um, I call myself original equipment with... Um, with uh, Ed Reform in 1993, I okay. worked in. I was um, on the school committee in Somerset, and we had when the you know Chapter 70 formula came out, there was this very weird glitch that Somerset was really losing a lot of money, and Joe Menard, who was the rep at the time, introduced me to Paul Salucci at an event, and I told him my story. He listened attentively, and he fixed it and so um i always appreciated that you know he listened and understood that this was a significant problem so when he was the short time he was governor um you know it was it was just a a nice sort of arrangement i've always been on the west wing my offices have always been on the west wing so i am right near where the governor's office is so i'm always in an elevator with the governor so um you know it's it's I think I've had at least a decent relationship with all the governors. Um, and I think that's important, regardless of whether they're, you know, the D's or the R's. You, you've got to have a relationship because it's the whole state has to be important to the governor. So yeah. you have to get to know them. And let them know that you know your little piece of the world is important.
0: So, um, would you have you had any conversations with our next governor, Mori Healy? Um, and I tried to. <laughs> Quite a few. I talked to her. I talked to her yesterday, and I was like, basically, like, well, when you win, you know. <laughs> um, and she wasn't like, I'm not taking it. You know, I'm not no. taking anything for granted. But when she does win, have you had any conversations with her about Brayton Point and offshore wind yes. and what her plans are for that?
1: Yes, and you know, um, she's really in in the discovery stage. So I have been trying to be very helpful with her policy people so that she has a very deep understanding of, of offshore wind and what it can bring. But it's, um, I worked with one of the reasons I'm so high on Maura is that I worked with her, uh, when we did the bill for equal pay. Okay. Um, we, (laughs) she and I went in to see the speaker because it wasn't, We weren't getting anywhere. So we went in to see him and gave him the big pitch on why we could do this. Why we could be, again, the first in the nation to have a bill that actually works. It worked. So we brought together um, uh, AIM, which is the biggest business business association in the state of it's you know associated industries of massachusetts sure brought together many people and she loaned me two very brilliant young women and we worked through got that bill passed so this um, bill
0: was aimed at uh um, equal pay for closing the gender pay gap yes okay yes so
1: i forgot we did that one um (laughs) but she i this experience with maura um made me realize that she doesn't jump she's she's very thoughtful and puts very smart people around her um so i'm i'm very confident that given the time and a little bit of space that she will see um the value of making sure that the south coast is very uh well-placed in sure. this whole industry
0: so we're speaking with uh rep uh pat haddad of somerset the fifth bristol district so um last i saw you was uh, at a somerset oh, sure. gym, uh, town committee um andrea campbell came yes. down so
1: uh you another know, great woman
0: yeah yeah i like andrea i've had a i've had a i've had a good amount of conversations with her during her during her campaign and um you know why did uh why did she decide that uh to i know you're supposed to go to a swansea event too but then the rain canceled that yes unfortunately um but why did you why did she think it was important to come down to your district and and speak with the people there
1: because she's another one of those women who um is in it wants to be engaged Mm -hmm. and is engaging when you speak with her sure and um i felt that it was important you know she talks about understanding that the state is very Boston-centric, and she's trying, uh, and I think, doing very well to get out to to smaller places. Somerset's pretty indicative of, um, you know, what's happening. Where we were quick to fall into the recession, but we're never quick to climb out of it. Right. We um, we've had very very significant challenges around losing taxes, and again because we're a town it's harder for us to crawl out of that so she's been very interested and um is one of the people that i you know have mentioned brighton point too i sometimes feel like i'm standing on the uh on the taunton river waving my arms frantically going look at the look at brighton point look at Brighton Point, and help me fix it
0: so uh we're speaking with pat haddad of somerset representative in the fifth bristol district so uh you said you were in the school committee so you're in the were you on the school committee before you were elected to uh state rep so i i've been this is what uh cool people do when they're in their early 30s they they google state reps to see what they were doing (laughs) before um and a lot of them are uh in we're in municipal government i see a lot of select board members right and school committee members um so how have your, like, experiences working in municipal government uh, sort of helped you in, inform your, your time as as a state rep?
1: I, you know, I, w- no offense to people who get up in the morning and decide they want to be the state rep. But I, <laughs> I truly feel. What that, a pointed
0: reference. Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> um, but I truly feel that. If you are not involved in your local government, you can't appreciate how difficult it is. Yeah. Um, You know, people say to me, "Oh, it must be so difficult working at in Boston." Actually, it was much harder to be a a school committee person. Yeah. When you ran into people in the um, in the grocery store and you couldn't fix their issue yeah oh it's it's heartbreaking we had it's heartbreaking.
0: when we had Kim Driscoll on uh, she said the same thing the the same thing basically like you know you're when you're in municipal government the people that you're working directly with are the people that you're gonna see in the grocery store right, like at right. the local level is is that very like hands- on like nonpartisan too type of
1: oh absolutely. type
0: of um, governance uh, let's take a break we'll be right back with our pad ad Download the double... I'm um, Marcus. Um, we're here with Representative Pat Haddad of Somerset. So you were talking about a legis- uh, legislation that you um, you were working on uh, uh, called the Snowbird
1: Bill? The Snowbird Bill. So um, it's it's assumed, people assume, that because there's a D after my name that I am um, somehow anti-Second Amendment, anti-gun, etc., yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm not. I have, you know, my husband is licensed to carry. My son is licensed to carry. I have cousins who are sports people. Um, I believe that responsible people should be able to carry guns. So my neighbor um, was uh, becoming a snowbird, going from Massachusetts to Florida. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he kept saying to me, I'm really not supposed to be carrying my guns back and forth, but I'm driving because I need my car. Sure. So I've been working with uh, Jim Wallace, who's the legislative um, liaison for Goal Gun Gun Owners Action League, Um, trying to make this happen. It's a, you know, I'm pushing the rock uphill, let me tell you. But um, I think it's important that we look at responsible gun owners and say, why are we making your life miserable? Right. You know? So, um, you know, people will say to me, well, you know, have you ever shot a gun? Yes, I have. I was terrible at it. so I've never done it <laughs> right. before. and And by the way, I would never ask for a license to carry because I know um, the fu- the police chief, and he'd never allow me to carry a gun <laughs> <laughs> not only really joking. Right. but um, yeah, no, i I just I just think that you know, you can't pigeonhole people. Yeah. you can't just assume that um, i don't like something
0: our uh afternoon host barry Richards said you're uh you're his favorite democrat actually
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know that is high praise and i appreciate yes. that i'll have to send him a text after and thank him he was uh you know we've had our i you know our disagreements but they're disagreements that's sure. all they are exactly and it's the the way the world i wish the world would be but i'm it's becoming more and more polarized, yeah. And that's um, that's hard. That's very hard when you're trying to just do a job. Yeah,
0: um, you know, I, I, I feel that like a lot of people. We talked about you guys not having a veto-proof majority, mm-hmm. right? Or having a veto-proof yes. majority, but there are just because someone has a D next to their name, like you said, doesn't mean that they're monolithically like a Democrat. Oh,
1: exactly. I have, some of my Republican friends will say things to me like, ooh, your Republican tendencies are coming out. Yeah, right. Well, my husband, when my husband and I were married, um, it was a mixed marriage. He was Presbyterian and I'm, uh, Roman Catholic, sure. which was fine. My family got over it, but the first <laughs> time that I went to vote and I realized I had married a Republican. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a truly a mixed family. My, you know, if, if you look at my family, it's pretty even. My son's a Republican, my daughter's a Democrat. We always cancel out each other's votes, but um, we have discussions.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: And uh, sometimes my son gets uh, frustrated with me but we have discussions and i think that that's incredibly important because um in between the t- i was a school teacher for 13 years yeah then i worked with my husband in a small business for 14 years so i learned very very quickly that um it's very different and why a lot of business people tend to be republicans so i think i've got a a balanced view because there are some things that um i just every time i'm able to be in a room where a decision is made i try to bring that to the room and uh point out to people that it's just not something that is going to fly in my district or or in our area it's funny because when you're when you're trying to explain to people what you do it's not easy to explain a negative. So when people say to me, well, what have you done? Well, I've stopped a lot of bad things from happening. And, um, you know, and that's hard to quantify, but when you're in a position where you can't, when, where people will listen to you because they respect your opinion and you're able to say, um, you know, I I just, that's not gonna fly. I can't help you with that. I can't vote for that. it makes people stop and think. I remember a few years ago, and I'll, I'll give Bill Strauss a plug. Sure. Um, we were going to put some money into um, to the MBTA mm-hmm. and the train and everything. And so Bill and I were in the room, and they were talking about the millions of dollars. These are all like Boston people. we got to put millions And Bill and I just sat there. And so the speaker looked, and he said, well, you two are kind of quiet and Bill said not going to fly down <laughs> right. our way. You know, yeah. you've got to put money into the um the buses. Yeah. And and the regional transit authority.
0: Right. Yeah. Certainly. So
1: 50 I maybe it was yeah, 50 million dollars was put because Bill sat there and I was able to support him and say we can't help you. Yeah. There will be people in bristol county who will not be able to vote for this right. unless we get
0: yeah because you have serta and gatra uh, right exactly. in, your, in your district exactly so. let's actually take a break so we can finish out the hour strong we're here sure. with pat haddad from somerset the new england patriots are
1: minutes. okay
0: uh, what's give us a little preview of what um you're working on at beacon hill in the next session in january
1: so um next session where i'm i'm sure we're going to do another um uh, energy Environment Bill, because mm-hmm. you've got to really stay on top of climate change. Um, you know, I've always worked on education. I'll continue to do that. It's I like the four e's um, the environment, education, the economy, and the elderly, because that also includes veterans. but um those if you're if you're helping those things, sure, I think you're really hitting the high notes yeah. of. Um, you know, things that, that need to happen. Uh, an educated workforce, an educated population is always good.
0: Of course.
1: Um, the economy we're gonna have to work on. Yeah. Because if- we're, you know, things things are precarious. Of course. So um, we're gonna have to work on that. And and the bill that we passed um, that hasn't, didn't get to the floor had a lot of good changes to the tax uh, code in yeah. it that would help a lot of people. I think housing is gonna be a big, big issue. Yeah. Um, it's becoming oh, it is more and more expensive to live. Yeah, And we've got to figure that out. So, um, um, you know, and then my constituent work. Constituent work is ongoing. ongoing. Yeah. i you know, I was on the phone today trying to help some people. We're still helping people from COVID. Um, and there's been some, you know, fraud cases. So we try to help people who are, who's, um, uh, Unemployment has had an issue, has have been hacked or whatever. Right. So, um, it, you know, I just keep doing my work. And that's, that's why I say I have a record. And I have people know that I listen and people know that, um, you know, the good ideas come from a lot of different places. Where can places. people
0: go to learn more about your record and your campaign for re-election?
1: Um, they can go to rephaddad.com, R-E-P-H-A-D-D-A-D.
0: Rephadad.com, Pat Haddad, thank you for coming on. I appreciate a it. pleasure. I think it was a great conversation and uh look forward to speaking with you uh, more in the future. So
1: Always available to you.
0: Excellent. Thank you. So uh, we're going to take this break and then uh, I'm going to be here by myself with you guys. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. <laughs> Sorry
1: about that. <laughs>